This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. My name is Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which holds Triangle Pastoral as well as Triangle Lawn Care, as well as the CEO of Colmarch, a digital marketing and sales services company that specializes in pests and lawn. We've heard this several times. And with me, as always, is the highly, highly esteemed Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello and introduce our guest? I would love to say hello. It's uh, Dan Gordon from PCO Bookkeepers and PCO M&A Specialists. Obviously, uh, fractionalized CFO work, bookkeeping services, uh, exit planning, blah, blah, blah. And um, but I am very, very this. This is long overdue. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have our guest. His name, uh, for anybody who's a client of PCO Bookkeepers, they all know him. His name is Anthony Pepe. And so I wrote this little paragraph about Anthony so I wouldn't forget anything. But since 2006, Anthony has been instrumental in providing pest control companies with advice on how to grow their pest control businesses. His expertise includes business management, performing back office accounting, tax planning, preparation, and consulting services. He has extensive knowledge in the pest control industry and has been a driving force in the growth and management of PCO bookkeepers. And uh, he makes it so that I have to do very little each day. So uh, we are very, and, and I'm sure he'll agree with that. So uh, welcome, Anthony. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for asking me to come on. A little change of pace for me. I, uh, you know, I usually don't get out of the office too much. So. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I can't tell you guys what. I am super excited about this podcast because um, early on, I don't know. I mean, I was one of the, I don't want to say I'm one of the first customers of PCO, but you know, we've had PCO a, were right in there. Yeah, a, num yeah. a number of years. I mean, we, you yep. know, back early, early on. And I remember calling up, you know, Anthony and us having several conversations. It was a lot of fun. I kind of miss those days. But um, so I kind of feel somewhat connected to Anthony just because we had lots and lots of phone conversations. And one thing that you did not put in his bio is that he's a master F-bomb dropper when necessary. Just just one. Even when out. not necessary. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> Shows my frustration. He's, he's no, it's a, he's a typical New Jersey guy. You know, you can take the guy out of New Jersey, but you can't. Well, so today we're going to talk about finances, and we're going to talk about just in general, what does it take to keep your pest control company financially fit? And I think this is a fantastic topic because if there ever was one thing most important in a business and probably least understood. It absolutely is the books, you know, even if you have clean books and when I say about clean books, meaning that, you know, you have this process in place and you know what's going on and you have pretty good systems in place to keep you. Most folks don't understand how the basic financials work. I fell into that, you know, when I first started in, in you know, at Triangle, I kind of vaguely had some ideas from my accounting class in, in college, which, you know, as you can tell, I really paid attention in. And there were things I thought that I really did not know. And so I think this topic is is going to be spot on for our audience and, and excited to get going. So with that, Anthony, let's talk about 
a, you know, the concept of financial dif- discipline and what that means. And then how does a pest control company, you know, create this, this, you know, I would, I would call it financial discipline. It's a great term to use, but it's almost like, you know, this idea of how do I keep, you know, cause even if you get your books clean, I mean, two days later, they're a freaking mess. And so what, what is the concept of financial discipline? And then how do you do this as, say, a pest or a loan company? The, the financial discipline to me basically is, is having a regular monthly process, you know, to get accurate financials. And I say this all the time where, you know, small business owner comes in first thing in the morning and there's a thousand different things to do. There's sales, there's marketing, you got customer issues, employee issues. And the problem is the uh, accounting gets put on the back burner a lot of times and you, what? you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but the, you don't realize how important of a process it is. I mean, it's, you don't, w- without having a regular, regular financials, you have no way to talk to your business and your business has no way to talk to you. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a very, very important process and, you know, making sure that you have that process either internally or whether you have an external firm like us, it, it, it's so incredibly important. So. You know, it, it, by the way, I have a question for Dan. Dan, welcome as a guest here on the PNP industry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> do you, do you personally now, do you sync your transactions? You personally now, Dan Gordon, do you sync your transactions in QuickBooks every day now? have been doing it for 10 years or so. Yes, I, and I knew the answer to that and because I, I have the exact same thing. People can't see our screens. We we actually show faces when we record a podcast here, but if I could, on my list of things to do every single morning, I, it's on my task list, complete QuickBooks sync and match. Yep. And I do, do that. that every morning. For every every morning. entity that I own, same. I do that because yep. it. this is just so, I mean, so getting back to Anthony's point, this absolutely has to be prioritized is number one is that you've got to know what's happening in the books because I've learned over the years. And by the way, I've learned this the hard way. If I don't do that, then it's such a mess and it takes so much longer to get it back in, you know, in, in trying to figure it out. And so, um, so anyway, I think if you're not doing this, like put it on your task list and make sure that, you know, you at least again, sync in your transactions and you know, what's happening on the, on, on, you know, on, on the bank account side, because I, mean, I, I think it's really important, too, because, you know, if you're doing great, you're high fiving yourself. If you're not doing great, you're you're getting a clear cut picture of your cash flow or, or your cash position. And so, you know, what bills you can pay and what bills you've got to uh, kind of stave off. And, uh, you know, but uh, um, but sinking QuickBooks to your banking feed and your credit card feed is extremely important. And as many people as we have working for us, I still do it personally every day for every account. And, yep. and, and that, that's kind of what I tell clients, too, is, I mean, the cash obviously is very important. Um, you know, it, it, if you do it every day, it takes you five or 10 minutes to do it. But that, that's the first thing that Dan and I do is for the businesses we have. But we, we look at that banking sink and, you know, five minutes and just crank through it. So important. Yeah. So, so, so there's, I was going to say, so there's level one of like syncing your transactions, but obviously that's, you know, that's kind of step one. Um, when you guys bring on, and, and, and by the way, I'm going to make this very specific to PCO just because, I mean, obviously, you know, this is what you do, Anthony, but you've got a client that you want to onboard. And I'm, I'm sure you guys never have anyone that comes to you with just 
a, a mangled mess of books. I'm sure they're pretty clean when it comes to you. It's just everything's worked out the way it should be. Um, I'm not Let me interrupt you right there. Let me interrupt <laughs> you right there. Here's what I would tell you is that we, we definitely have clients who are clean and want to stay clean, who are dirty and want to stay dirty. But there's always the client who we've been working on for a couple of years and they're like, yeah, oh, I got everything under control. And one day you get a call and they just say, you know, I thought maybe I'd want to switch. And then when you dig into the books, you realize there's a reason. There's a reason. And uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Fin finish your so, question. So my thought here is, and this is really more for you, Anthony. Okay, you bring on a client. Let, first of all, let's talk through that. You want to onboard some someone. They're coming on. They don't have clean financials. They are, you know, they've not done this. They've not. And I'm sure there's no one listening on the podcast that's in this situation, by the way. But um, let's just say they're coming on board. They've not been keeping up with their financials. Let's say for years. And they've, you know, they basically their accounting is, is how much money do I have in the bank? Walk me through what you do there. Like, just walk me through the process of like, OK, this is how we're going to get this is how we're going to write the ship. I mean, the, the first thing you look at is chart of accounts. If you don't have a proper chart of accounts and you're not breaking your direct costs and indirect costs, there's there's not much valuable information you can get from from your profit and loss. So that's that's really the first step. And um it's kind of funny, like we um, we just recently brought a, brought a client on a few weeks ago and um, guy's been in business 25 years and we were just kind of chatting when we first started setting them up. And, he, you know, I just said, hey, well, where do you normally run on your labor? What do you know what your gross profit is? And for 25 years, could not tell me what his labor margin is. And, he, and he's probably a two and a half million dollar company. And um, it, it's it's kind of crazy to me to not know that, but it's it's so important. And, and you could tell he definitely hit a wall and it was stagnant. You know, his growth has been stagnant. But like I said before, if you don't have that information and it's not properly set up and you're not getting it on a regular basis, you your business can't talk to you. You, you don't know what it needs. You don't know where where the problem areas are. So how do we how, how do you onboard somebody? Right. So what's the process, including base camp and whatnot for somebody who says, geez, how do I even get my head around this? So the two the two biggest things, it's the chart of accounts. It's getting their chart of accounts converted over to we have a template chart of accounts that we use for, our, you know, all of our pest control companies. And then the other big thing is taking your services list and whatever routing software program you're using and making sure that you have a, a link or a mapping into, um, you know, in, into your accounting software. And that's really the first step. And then, um, you know, there's obviously a bunch of other procedures, which I'm sure we'll get into that, that go into it. But uh, th that's really the biggest step is, is making sure that you've got the right mapping in place um, before you do any anything else and, and making sure that that chart of accounts is dialed in and you've got all your indirect and, and direct costs, you know, categorized properly. I want to take a moment and just make a point about the chart of accounts because I think this is really important. Um, you never, I know this, I know you guys have never seen this and, and maybe I'm just unique in, in hearing this, but you go to conferences and guys start and gals start throwing around these different ratios and people are like somehow, some way, like they're either deficient or they're killing it. And what's the underlying assumption? The underlying assumption is everyone runs the same chart of accounts and they simply don't. And one of the things that I think is unique, to, by the way, I'm not making this a PCO infomercial. It just, you know, it, it, you, you guys are the ones I've worked with for years. But the thing I like about it is that you do have a standardized chart of accounts. 
and you you basically rate and and pull them across different companies so that there's they're they're apples to apples comparisons they're not well this person puts insurance down in administrative and this one puts you know labor i mean it's just you know it's basically everyone has the same rules so when you start talking ratios you know that they're coming from the same spot so i think that's just a really important point and i don't know why i decided to monologue on that but i just it's well, no, very it, common it, it, it's very very interesting so npma uh, did these operating cost studies or they were surveys years ago and you remember scott steckel he was on our podcast and uh, he had called me after we did our operating cost study and said hey could we use this thing we've been trying to do this for years and years to no avail the reason it was to no avail is you're in a mom and pop industry and everybody has a separate chart of accounts and depending on what your chart of accounts looks like i can ask 10 different people the same question and get 10 different answers and nobody's lying right so you got to have this uh, chart of accounts that, uh, that that compares you to the industry and uh, it, it's extremely important anthony can you just give the bare bones of what the standard chart of accounts is that you guys use just the bare bones of it yeah i mean basically so you start with the revenue side the, the biggest thing is, uh, or, and the way we set it up is knowing what your your residential general pest control work is versus your um, your commercial pest control work. And then we've got other segments. So you've got termite, you know, bed bugs if, if you do that, um, and then other miscellaneous services. And, and really the main point of doing that is to show how much recurring versus non-recurring uh, revenue that you have. Uh, obviously the, the value in this industry is through these recurring service contracts. and you know, whether you're going to sell your business or not, it doesn't matter. You need to, you know, the, those recurring service contracts, the value should be represented somehow on your profit and loss. So um, that's basically your, you know, revenue side. And then your direct costs, um, they're also called variable costs, basically consist of your tech, tech labor, auto costs, and material costs. Those are usually the big three of, um, of your direct cost. And again, in theory, they all function as a uh, as a percentage of revenue. And there's a number that we're looking for called a gross profit number, which is probably the most important number on your P&L. Um, I know, Dan, you've you've done this talk so many times over the years. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen it, but it's so incredibly powerful is he, he does this talk on break-even analysis. And that entire concept, um, you know, it, it, it all starts with your gross profit. So having an accurate gross profit is, is huge in doing that break-even analysis. It's very, very important and it's very powerful. And if, if anybody's ever seen that uh, talk by Dan, you, you can understand how powerful it is, the example that he gives. So, And just so listeners understand, gross margin is really how efficient are you at operations? Um, you know, labor obviously is the major that's the that's the expense in any service company it's labor and when you've got a really good gross margin even if you're teetering on profitability you can clean it up pretty easy right slow down marketing slow down these other gna costs and boom you're there if you've got a gross margin that sucks now you got a you got a problem to solve right that means that you're not efficient in delivering the service and so it absolutely is it's a number that we look at. Uh, I view it as my efficiency number, like how well am I leveraging our people, you know, insurance, chemical, you name it. Um, but but gross margin, I think, is the key number in our industry. If you can manage that extremely well, then everything else is 
kind of up to you, right? How fast do I want to grow? How much do I want to reinvest in the business? Gross margin gets out. You got to sink and ship. You, you need to plug it. So think think about the gross margin as um, if you're producing a product, that's that's the cost of the input. So what does it cost me to make a, a widget or a pack of gum or something um, and without all of the, the um, G&A and marketing costs associated with it? And so that's how we look at it as we manufacture a product, even though we're in a service business, we manufacture hours of service and that gross margin better be over 50%. Um, yeah, you know, yep. it's it's funny too. like we, you know, we're we're in budget season right now. And, um, you know, like 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 you said, Donnie, if, you, if that gross margins out of whack, I don't care what you do in other areas of the P&L. You, you're not, it's going to be very difficult if, if that's <laughs> out of whack. I mean, it, when we do budgeting with clients, like I'll have clients that will come in and say, oh, you know what? Lower office supplies by 500 bucks or lower this by 100 bucks. That's not where the money is. The money's yeah. not saving $500 in office supplies or $1,000 in office supplies. It's that gross. Paper clips product. and rubber bands. It's in payroll. That's where that money is at. So, uh, hey, Ant, so like describe the monthly. So so we when we talk about bringing on board a client, we use kind of like Hallmark's this uh, base camp, which uh, we just use it for our setups, but it's pretty efficient. But how does that work? And then how does it roll into our monthly process? Um, and uh, yeah, so. basically, I mean, basically, we have a checklist that, you know, to, to get started. There, there's a bunch of information, you know, that, that we need, just bank statements, tax returns. And, you know, when we onboard somebody, we make sure that everything is reconciled from the beginning. So we have to make sure that we've got a good opening balance sheet and then basically roll it from there. Um, and uh, so that's you know and there's there's other other things in base camp that we set up but you know there's a whole list of items that we need to uh reconciliations loan statements um amortization schedules and basically you know once we have all that information we set a process up to make sure all those things get done um to make sure i mean when, when we give a financial to a client it's 99 percent complete i mean by the time we get to the end of the year it's very easy to put that information into a tax return and um it's very efficient to put it into a tax return because everything's finished. It's done. So, so what goes into the, the monthly processes? Um, uh, so basically it's, it's just getting us bank statements, credit card statements, loan statements, uh, closing out the routing software is a big one. So, um, you know, that that's really the start of everything is, um, you know, making sure that you've got all your tickets posted, um, you know, invoices posted, make sure you have payments posted and applied properly, uh, making sure if you have scheduling issues, uh, you know, or unserviced or canceled tickets, making sure that they're they're all addressed. And once that happens, the clients will give us a confirmation to, um, you know, to close out that routing software and reconcile revenue and, and uh, you know, payments, accounts receivable. And we'll pull all that information in, you know, once once they confirm. So that, but that's really the start of it is, is uh, you know, closing your routing software. And then from there, it's doing the bank and credit card recs, um, any monthly accruals that need to be done. So we'll go through we'll go through the entire profit and loss and identify if there's prepaid expenses that need to be set up. For example, if you have maybe you have a large insurance deposit or something, um, you know, making sure that that's amortized properly so you can get a good gross margin and 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 understand what your operational data is um you know so that's all basically what we do and and uh 
you know, on, on a monthly basis. So I, I have to state this and I know it's going to sound like the obvious, but, but, you know, I just have to be me here for a moment. You know, the reality of it is, is like as an owner, manager, leader, whatever, you know, our job is to make decisions, hopefully good decisions, right? About what's next for the business. The reality of it is, is that, you know, your financials, they, they are the map. And if you have an inaccurate map, your ability to make good decisions is greatly diminished. And so, you know, when Anthony's talking about, you know, doing the software closeout, doing the bank reconciliations, you know, getting all the accruals. I mean, the whole idea here is that we're building this pretty complete and as accurate as possible of a map that we can so that you do make good decisions, right? I mean, if you don't, if you don't know, going back to the example we started with where you had the $2 million business owner that doesn't know, you know, they don't know the margins. And even if they didn't know it, you know, how, how good is the data, <laughs> you know, cause you can have a great process and you got bad data. It's still going to produce bad data. And so right. this whole idea of like, you need a, you need a process in place that gives you a really clear lay of the land so that you can understand what is the right decision to make, you know, and it makes, I mean, for me personally, you know, good financials, you, you, you know, numbers just don't lie. They just don't, you know, and, and it's hard to, you know, argue with, a bad gross margin. It's hard to argue with something that's black and white. I mean, at least gives you a concrete map that now you may choose not to do anything about it, but at least you got the info, you got an accurate map. And so I think this is a, you know, this whole monthly process is it's all about helping you make really, really good decisions. Um, it's, it's funny too. Like we, a big part of what we do is even holding our clients accountable, making sure that those processes actually take place. Like I said before, they, they have a thousand things going on. And, and that's that's basically what we do is staying on top of the clients and make sure that these processes happen. And, and I try to identify issues for them, you know, before it's too late. So. Right. And once we once we get all the information all in check and whatnot, we have a pretty cool dashboard report that we send, which is a lot different than um most accounting firms, most accounting firms are focused on the P&L balance sheet, maybe statement of cash flows. We do all of that, but we also do quite a bit of operational uh, data that we put into our reports and or um, our comparisons of against our cost study. So what should your labor look, what does your labor look like and what should your labor look like? So it's it's pretty neat stuff. So uh, Anthony's in charge of making sure all of that happens. I'm, I'm in charge of talking about it. So well, I, I think the goal <laughs> here is, you know, really is that when you have this, now I make an input, here's the result, right? When I don't have that, I make an input and who the hell knows what's making a change, <laughs> you know, what's making a difference versus what's not. And so um, absolutely essential. So let's switch gears here for a moment. And let's talk about my favorite topic. I mean, I could talk about this forever. It's just, I, I love taxes so much. Uh, no, I'm joking. Now, taxes are a big deal in our business. And Anthony, I just want you to, to take a moment and let's talk through, there's obviously paying your taxes, which no one gets out of. Um, but, you know, what are some things that most business owners should pay attention to when it comes to taxes and what's kind of their best, you know, maybe walk through a timeline of, you know, best ways of preparing for it. Um, I mean, I know for me personally, I could tell you funny stories, some of which are not funny. At least I didn't think they were funny at the time. I think they're funny now. When I got to the end of the year and realized, oh, gosh, we had a really good year. I don't have to buy an airplane. What am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you mean that airplane would be a tax move? Absolutely not, Dan Gordon. I would think I'll buy an airplane. I have too much money. Yeah. <laughs> so, talk talk us through that real quick. I mean, I mean, just like in general, just you know, projections, timing, taxes. Let's just have a little fun here. Talk us through that. Yeah, I mean, your your projection. I mean, we usually start working on them August September. I mean, there, there's no reason to have surprises come tax time at all. You, as long as you're getting regular financial information every month, there's no reason you, there, there should be any surprises. And probably one of the biggest reasons we onboard new clients is they come to us and say, my tax guy says I owe 50 grand and I got to pay it in a week. That should not be like that. You, you have plenty of time to get this information together and plan around it and either you know, through purchasing vehicles or, or spending money to, to, to minimize, uh, you know, minimize profit and taxes. And if there is no spending that needs to be done, then, okay, well, let's plan ahead and, and make sure from a cash flow perspective, come, come tax time, we've got the money to, to pay this. So, and that's the biggest thing when, when I do projections for clients is just managing their expectations. You know, there, there should never be a surprise, um, with 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 taxes and again having regular financials and 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 having that financial discipline to, to to understand where your profit is and relate it to taxes is 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 huge it's it's a huge part of it and uh you know yeah by the it, way no just, reason not to plan ahead for it yeah just just to clarify um, um the, the uh um, the, that you know that should never happen but bad news doesn't mean that uh you know that 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 um, you know your accountant's not doing your job. It's just bad news on April 14th or March 14th or whatever the filing date for entity or individuals. That's bad news. If I if you don't know about it and I tell you the day before, hey, you got to come up with 100 grand, then that's not so good. Um, you know, having the information well before it, we may not always give you the the greatest news, but at least we have time to plan for it. So. And and let me just remind our audience here. You can declare bankruptcy, you can do multiple things, but guess what doesn't get, guess what does not get forgiven? Well, certain taxes don't. So uh, <laughs> there are ways, by the way, our company does not specialize in offering compromises, but uh, there are guys who do, who, who can get out of their taxes, but usually your company's pretty badly damaged if you're going for that. Yeah. So. No, not well. No matter what, not a conversation you want to have. Not a road I want to go down. <laughs> Period. <laughs> so, let's. Uh, what I want to move through this because we we've got a limited amount of time, and there's two other topics that I do want to talk about. And the first one is budgeting, and uh, you had mentioned that we're in the middle of budgeting season. What is that? How does that work? How should everyone do it? Uh, and and how do you formulate it? So basically, there's the, the way I look at accounting. There's there's two sides to it. You have an historical reporting accounting, and then you have the future side or the future reporting of accounting, which is budgeting and, and forecasting. And um, it's a pretty important process. I know for our, like our accounting firm, we Dan and I live and die on our budget every month, and we we share it with with our management team and and some of the leaders in our company. And um, we we live and die on that budget every month, and it's a uh, it's it's a pretty crucial thing. It's not it's it's something that you know not only holds you accountable as the owner, but your your employees. It's basically your vision and your 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 roadmap of why we're coming into work every day, or why why are we working towards these, you know, and and basically helping to to accomplish these goals. But 
Um, yeah, budgeting is a very important process. Um, you know, again, it, it, it holds people accountable. Uh, it, it, it's a way to, for you to show your vision. Um, again, if, 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 if you're not laying that plan out, um, how are, how are the employees going to know where, where, where you want to take this thing, you know? Um, you know, and well, the other, the other side of it is basically, um, you know, so how do we do the budget, right? So really it all starts with revenue and probably where you, you should spend your most time is on the revenue side of, of, of the budget. Really the rest of the P&L basically functions off of how much revenue we're doing. Um, so that's really where you should spend most time. And then the other, the other part of it is, is, is the advertising piece. How, how much, how much, you know, how much advertising do we need to spend to get the certain amount of growth? And I know Donnie, you can probably speak a lot on that, but those are really the two big things that when we do budgeting that we spend the most time on it's revenue and then the, the advertising side. So, and so the other thing so you talk about, talk about the revenue, how do you, uh, uh, you just throw a dart at the wall. So this year I did a million dollars. Next year I want to do a million two. What do I have to do? That's twenty percent growth. Yeah, I mean basically you're starting with what 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 is your book book of business as of today? How, how much how much money do I basically have scheduled on the books today? And then really from there it's okay. How much how much new sales do we think uh, we're going to get? And then how much uh, cancellations um, are we going to get to get to a net a net revenue number? Um, and most of the most of the softwares have that future forecast report, depending, you know, they call it different things. Right. But, uh, well, I was going to say, in, a, in addition, if you are tracking, if you're tracking your marketing numbers, this is an easy thing to do. Because and what I mean by that, if you know your cost per sale, you know your cost per lead, you know what you want to grow by. Well, well, this like just to say you say, well, I want to grow by 20 percent or whatever. You back that in the number of sales, you add in your cancellations. You, okay, that's how many dollars it's going to take. This is how much it's going to take in terms of leads. Here's what my budget needs to be. Is that workable or is it not? The other point I was going to make about budgeting, and I think this is an absolutely critical one to do, is that it's really a discipline tool. You know, I back early on when I was running Triangle, I had these ideas, and they seemed like they had to happen like right now, and usually they involved money. <laughs> <laughs> and they all worked out great let me tell you <laughs> you know all knockouts no but i mean you know it was a you know when i decided to stick to a budget you know i absolutely had money in the bank at the end of the month at the end of the year i had money to pay my taxes and i was making money when i was not very disciplined it seemed like i could not hang on to money so i think it's a it's a huge discipline tool the other thing is it's a great excuse I have folks calling me on the phone. Hey, you should try this. You should do that. I'm like, you know what? It's not in the budget. We budget in October. Call me then. Guess how many people would call me in October? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so anyway, um, good. So let's let's you know, like Dan said, we are running a little short on time here, but I want to switch gears here one more time yet again. Let's talk through what would you consider to be the essentials in developing a scorecard to know the financial health. Of the but before you go into it, I just want to uh, kind of introduce the concept uh, in that uh, Harvard Business School has a bunch of different courses on different business tactics. Um, and um, we thought that uh, sending Anthony to one of their programs uh, to learn about scorecarding and um, that kind of thing. Um, and 
we looked at the price tag and I was like, man, this is expensive, but let's give it a whirl. You know, we're doing okay. And Anthony uh, is now a, um, holds a certificate from the Harvard Business School. So he's an authority on this subject. So. <laughs> oh boy. And, and, and on that note, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Prepare to be blown away. <laughs> yes. I set you up, man. Don't screw it up. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but but by the way, that that whole uh, course that I did was probably one of the best experiences I've I've had. It, it definitely was pricey, but um man, was it 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 was worth it. If anybody gets an I opportunity to do it, it's yeah. it's totally worth it. You basically go up there for a week and um it's like it's basically like a boot camp, you know six seven o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night eight o'clock at night and it's just all about scorecarding and and how to hold people uh, accountable and it's kind of interesting the whole concept basically was about a, having a balanced scorecard for any role in your company any any employee and any and you know all the different roles that you have and basically the the point is is to have um a balance between the different functions in your business and those those four different uh, areas that they talk about. It's it's financial, it's customer, uh, internal process, and then education and training. And it's funny, like, you know, everybody's mind always goes straight to money and to the financial section, which is important, but you don't realize by building these other areas of the company, like the education and training or internal process, you're still building value in the company um, by by building these other areas. So um, that that was their whole point is is being balanced um, be, between these these different areas and, and having objectives and targets within um, within each each of these four sections and um, I got to tell you we we implemented it for our accounting firm and I you know I, I didn't know how it was going to work in the beginning and I, I got to tell you it's probably one of the best things that we've put in place I mean everybody looks forward to getting their scorecard um, it's it's created competition and um, just really neat I mean every every business should have some type of scorecarding system for at least even just their management team. Um, yeah, what are some of the, uh, so we have client managers, which I <clears> will um, compare to a technician. They're our line people. They're the people that provide service and whatnot. Um, so you can take some of what Anthony's talking about and apply that to technicians or whatever. But what are some of the categories? Actually, if, do you have a scorecard that you can? Uh, well, I mean, I, I could just tell you what we, you know, how some of the things that we do. So like um, on the financial side, we track, we track production for all of our guys. We know how much billing each, uh, each employee is responsible for. And basically on the scorecard, um, there's different targets and um, there's a certain number of points that they can achieve on that scorecard. And those points are directly related to their year end bonus. Basically each point is, is worth a dollar value. And, um, you know, the, the, the production is one example. I know like on the customer side, uh, reviews are an example. We, we, we give points, you know, for a certain number of reviews that, that people get, um, you know, we, we do, uh, education. I mean, continuing ed for us, I mean, the same thing in pest control, continuing ed for us is, is huge. Um, so we, we, um, reward people for that. Um, you know, we, we have one for volunteer work, uh, as well. So, so it could be external things, but there, there's so many different things that you could, um, you know, you, you can measure people on and, um, it, it's been great for our business. I really am 
pretty happy the way it's worked out the last few years. So, yeah. So if you, let me just say, I think this whole idea of balance is really, really important. You know, in, in, and I don't want to make too big of a point of this, but, you know, when you think about if you strictly focus on sales and that is all you bonus on, you know, you can have things like the Wells Fargo incident, right? Or, right. or just where people get so enamored with that one number that they're willing to forego other essential critical parts of the business, even their own integrity, you know. And so when you have balance, it 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 makes sure that everyone stays in the slot, so to speak, for the business. So I just want to make that point. Dan, jump right ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah, you there. So, so I was just going to read some of the categories. Right? So monthly production, Anthony talked about average dollars per hour on the clients. That's, you know, um, number of tax returns completed. So that's specific to our business. Number of upsells, um, you know, number of hours. This is an important one. This is like kind of FaceTime, but we don't have FaceTime. It's number of hours that our our uh, client managers spend on the phone with clients. We can track that through the phone system. We want them on the phone with our clients, right? Um, let's see, uh, positive reviews, number of days to answer queries, right? How quickly they turn around um, queries from, from, from their colleagues and whatnot in order to get the work done. Um, Number of days to deliver the reports once we receive all client information. That's a big one. Um, number of days to file sales tax, right? Because we don't want sales tax late or uh, any surprises. And then number of continuing educational uh, credits that are uh, earned. Now, if you're a CPA or an enrolled agent, you have to get these anyway. So we give you the benefit for it. Uh, making sure uh, each guy or each gal gets a uh, credit also for becoming a QuickBooks Pro Advisor. So our entire staff are all QuickBooks Pro Advisors. And then when we have one that's kind of interesting, some take advantage of it, some don't. Uh, content pieces. Do they write articles for our website? And uh, we have one uh, uh, client manager, Brad, who he and I collaborate on articles that get published in the trade magazine. So he's really good at that. And uh, that's, you know, those are the categories, but it's basically about results, growth, accountability, and learning. I mean, that's that's what we uh, what we focus on. And the, big, the biggest thing too, is you have to obviously make sure that when you're building this scorecard, that role has to, they, they have to be able to control each of these objectives, right? You can't just have an overall company objective that they, they can't, uh, you know, they can't manage themselves. It has to be specific to that yeah. employer, that role. Years okay. ago, I used to work for a company called Progress Energy. It was a big energy utility here in Raleigh. And I remember each March, I would get like a bonus. It'd be like 800 bucks or 2000 bucks. We met all of our key objectives. And I'm like, I had no clue that we even had key objectives. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like it showed up and I was like, oh, that's cool, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it didn't take money from you when, when, right. when you didn't achieve them, you know? Yeah, so. no, I mean, so it's, I mean, going back to Anthony's point, right? It, it It's an incentive is only valuable if I can control it and I can put the inputs in. If I can't, if I don't know what it is and if I can't control it, well, it, you know, it, it's a waste of time because, it, you know, no one can do anything with it. So um, what I, what I also was kind of surprised about is the competitive side of it. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody wants, everyone wants to make more money and, and get a bonus and all that. But um, 
it definitely created some competition within the company and people like I, I need to, I need to get this point on on this one and you know it it, it was cool I, I didn't expect that to to happen so yeah was, yep well you know we've reached our time here and this has been fantastic Anthony it's been wonderful having you here on the podcast and obviously I mean we just scratched the surface of so many different topics and it was very high level but um, obviously, if you want to learn more, you want to know more, there's going to be show notes from this, um, maybe a screenshot of a, of a, of a, you know, of, of a scorecard, I think would be great, uh, to put up there. But, um, one thing I do want to mention before we close out is that Dan is going to be at our Workway Beyond Service user conference in January in Orlando. Um, of course you can go to the, the Comarch website if you want to go to that. And he'll be talking about financial topics, of course. As you can imagine, although I would I would like maybe give Dan a different topic just just to see where he would go with it. I think it'd be kind of fun. Well, it's it's kind of too late because I just, uh, you know, the, the beauty of coal march is they're very uh, rigid. And I had a date to get my PowerPoint and I actually put it in over the weekend three weeks <laughs> late. So and it's all about data driven decision making. <laughs> so if yes, you want me to change we, it, I could just flip it to the No, the no, no. We will, yes, yes. We're going to give you a hard time. Yeah, but yeah, no, but. just obviously we'll be there. Um, and, you know, I'll be speaking at the conference. Dan will be speaking. Um, and, you know, again, just a reminder, if you go to pmpindustryinsider.com, you can always get the, the show notes from each of our podcasts. And with that, Anthony, thank you very much for being on board. Dan, anything, uh, closing ideas, thoughts, questions, whatever, before we before we close out here? No, I think we're good. I really appreciate you coming on, Ant. Um, a lot of insight. And um, I think that um, a lot of uh, ideas that uh, will get people thinking. And if you have any questions, by all means, call us. Call Anthony, call me, call anybody on our staff. We're happy to answer. Awesome. Well, that's it, folks. If you enjoyed this show or any of our shows, please don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Apple, Spotify, however you listen to us. And with that, we will see you all next time. Take care now.